Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. It was great seeing you all today. And uh, our Thursday Bible study is cranking back up uh, this week. Dr. Inlow and Dr. Byer and myself, we're teaching. We started last semester. We're teaching through the life of Christ, and I'll be teaching this Thursday. Uh, So we go from 12 to 1 and includes lunch. So I hope you can join us. You know, know you've done something to embarrass yourself, right? And uh, if you haven't, you're a liar. But uh, you've done something to embarrass yourself. And you know, the best way to handle embarrassments is you laugh about it. And uh, so this past week, I did something very, very embarrassing. And I mean, and I just busted out laughing. I've been laughing ever since. And I couldn't wait to get back to tell the staff and laugh about it. And uh, that's the best way to handle it. <clears throat> so uh, I've noticed this young couple in our church. And, um, and, uh, and so I went up to the guy last Sunday and said, hey, I, I want to get to know y'all. I said, why don't you and I go to lunch this week? He said, okay. So we went to lunch and we sat down and, and I just said, I said, well, so tell me about yourself. I said, I know you're married and you got a kid. And he just leaned in. And he said, Pastor Don, I, I just turned 17. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. He said, oh, that picture you're talking about, that's my sister. I said, oh, yeah, now you're going to go home and tell your parents I accused you of incest. Oh, my goodness. And uh, so, I mean, I could not wait to get to the church. Because to, to, at, at our staff meeting, I told the staff, we, always, I, we tell each other who we're going out to lunch with. And I told them, I said, yeah, there's a new couple, in the, and we're going to lunch. I couldn't wait to get back and tell them. So I've turned it over to our youth ministry. And... Um, but that was that was uh, that one should last me all year, I hope. But anyway, that was that was funny. I enjoyed that very much. I got a good laugh out of that. So I, I just want you to know, I'm very very thankful for you. I'm thankful for this church, and um, <clears throat> God has just done some amazing things in the life of this church. We're we've our, our children have grown out of their space, and we're having to rethink space issues. Um, our youth ministry has grown out of their space. In fact, they're on a retreat right now. They'll be coming back, or they'll be back here probably by lunch. And it, it's almost triple the size they had last year. And um, and we've got so many new workers. Um, in our children's ministry, in our youth ministry. We're very grateful for that. And, uh, and then our adult ministry, we're seeing a lot of new men and women, uh, small groups that are starting, you know, the, we call them D groups, where they just pray together, they study scripture together, they encourage each other being discipled. And uh, we're seeing a, we've seen a lot of baptisms. We're th- very thankful for that. And uh, every ministry, and our men, our women, our senior adult ministry, which we call our second acts ministry, uh, have more people attending at their major events and uh, their monthly events. It's just, I mean, every time I go to one of those events, I'm meeting new people that are showing up. And I'm especially thankful for you, for your generosity. I mean, what you have allowed us to do through your generosity. And as you know, if you've been here a while, we don't talk about money much. And you don't hear very many messages about it. 
uh, I do talk about generosity in terms of us being generous uh, to our community and to missions. And um, I mean, our missions team is very faithful in what they're doing. And uh, we were able to send out $115,000. Uh, 100% of what you give to missions goes outside the church. We keep none of it. Um, and we were, we were able to do extra um, 32, about over $32,000 for local ministries. That 100% of that goes to local ministries that help people that are in specific need, people that are homeless, people that are dealing with issues. So very grateful for that. And, um, and I actually, I, I told Judy, our, who heads our missions team, I said, listen, y'all need to start praying. I really, I want y'all to double the mission budget. I, I, you really need to double our mission budget. So be praying about that, that uh, they'll have wisdom and discernment about that. Um, and the big thing last year is we went out of debt eight years early. So thankful for your generosity. And on top of that, on top of that, you gave $171,000 over our budget. And so now we're praying about what are we gonna do with that? And how can we utilize that for missions and for ministry? And uh, so we were able to give extra money uh, to uh, Crossover Global that we work with. Uh, we were able to give an extra $20,000 to them uh, to work directly with World Aid people, the people that don't have ready uh, available access to the gospel. And Crossover is doing an amazing job in trying to reach those people. And uh, we're, we just want to keep finding ways to be generous. At our Christmas Eve service, Little faith, we had two services, we needed three. You know, we had over 1,600 people that showed up for that. And, um, and so we, God's just blessing, and we're trying to figure out um, what do we do and what's next. And so just pray for us as we are asking God to increase our influence in this community with the gospel and to increase our influence in the world with the gospel. So it is very appropriate that we start this 40 days of prayer. And we're going to be talking about this because prayer is the basis of this. Because if you want to expect great things from God, then we have to attempt great things for God. And we dare not do any of that without the power of prayer. And so if you want a life that is based on truth, then you need to know the Bible. The Bible is the source of truth. And as you study the Bible and as you apply it, then you begin to live your life based on truth. And many people can be very talented and can be very successful, but their life is not based on the truth, on God's truth, and eventually what they do falls apart. Or it's of, they can be very successful from a humanly standpoint of view, but then their life doesn't make a difference. It makes no difference about what they've done with their life, no matter how successful their life appears, because it wasn't based on truth. It was based on man's truth or man's opinion.
And so outwardly, some people appear to be very, very successful. But what does it look like through the eyes of God? For a lot of those people, God would say, it's nothing but rubbish. It doesn't last. It has no value. We want to build our lives on gold, silver, and precious stones, not wood, hay, and stubble. The Bible says those are the building materials that you have available to you for your life. And the day's coming when God will test your life and test the life of this church, and he will put his testing fire to that, and everything that you and Gateway has done that was used with wood, hay, and stubble will burn up and be nothing but ashes, a pile of ash, zero value. But anything that was done based on God's word and God's truth and God's will, that's gold, silver, and precious stones. And when God tests it, it will be even made more pure, and the Bible says it will remain And you'll be rewarded for that. And the reason we want to be rewarded for that is plain and simple. We want to have more rewards and glory to throw at the feet of Jesus who saved us. Everything in my life that I will get a reward for from God is for the sole purpose of throwing at the feet of Jesus when I go to heaven and saying, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for counting me worthy to be used. I don't want to be able to, I don't want to have just a pile of ash that's going to simply blow away. So my desire for you as an individual is that everything you're doing with your life is of gold and silver in God's eyes. And that everything we do as a church is of gold and silver and precious stones. And every penny that we invest in the life of someone else who's far from the gospel or someone whose life is in trouble, that's gold. That's silver, and that's precious stones. So we need to rethink prayer. We need to ask ourselves, does prayer even matter? And some of us, if you would look at our prayer life, you would question, you must not think prayer really matters because you don't do it very much. And when you do it, it's so self-oriented. It's all about your wants and your desires and your problems. So let's just kind of talk through some basic truth principles from God's word. And, and there's no one scripture we go to. We have to go to a lot of scriptures. Sometimes you can pick and choose a single scripture and begin to have a warped opinion, a misaligned opinion about an issue, especially in prayer. You have to understand it all in context of what scripture teaches. I heard a statement one time. I read it in a book 
by a pastor who lived 150 some years ago, I think. And he said, the worst sin, that immediately got my attention. I said, oh, okay, he's going to tell me what he thinks the worst sin is. Because I'm sure I haven't committed it. The worst sin is prayerlessness. And I read that, and I said, no, that can't be right. I went back and read it again. The worst sin is prayerlessness. Now, I, I really, I, I lost sleep over that for a couple of weeks. And I began to realize my prayerlessness says a lot about what I think about God. My lack of faith, my lack of trust. And if indeed, if God only works in response to prayer, then yeah, me not praying for a lost friend, me not praying for a brother or sister in Christ who's lost their way, me not praying for matters that matter to God, that's the worst sin. So let's ask ourselves a few questions. Who can pray? Let's get that one settled. Well, simply those who belong to Christ. That's a privilege we have been given. First Timothy says, for there is only one God and one mediator, the go-between, who can reconcile God to humanity. And that mediator is the man, Christ Jesus. So the only way I can pray to God the Father, the only way I have a mediator or access to the throne room is through Jesus. So does that mean God does not hear the prayers of non-believers? Well, he hears them, but he doesn't do anything about them because they didn't come to him through his son. In fact, I really believe the first prayer that God hears from a non-believer is, Lord, forgive me. I ask Jesus into my heart. Now, that sounds kind of harsh. You mean somebody who's not a believer could cry out to God and he not answer them? I would say they have no mediator. They have no access. That only comes through Jesus. So those who belong to Christ. Ephesians 2, God saved you by his grace. That's what he did. But you had a part. When you believed, <coughs> that was your part, faith. <coughs> and you can't take credit for this. You can't take credit for your salvation. Because it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward, so you cannot take credit for it. You cannot earn it. It is not a reward for good things that we have done. You don't deserve it. 
so that none of us can boast about it. It is a gift that's in response to your prayers. God saved you by his grace when you believed. I believe that's the first prayer God answers in a person's life. In John 1, 12, it says, but, but to all who believed him <clears throat> and accepted him, here's what he gave you. The right to become children of God. To all who believed and accepted. You had faith and you accepted him into your life. Then he gave you the right to be the children of God. You're part of the family. And as children of God, we have access to our dad 24-7. I mean, I can't remember how many times late at night, everybody's in bed asleep, a thunderstorm comes, and you know before long the door's going to open to your bedroom. My son had a clever way of doing this. When Mary was traveling and playing concerts and Mac was a little kid, he would come to my room at night. He said, Dad, I know you're probably afraid while Mom's gone. I'm going to come and keep you company. <laughs> I was like, that's a smart kid right there. <laughs> but my son, my, I mean, yesterday I was uh, having a meal with somebody, and my wife called, and I said, I'm sorry. I always answer the phone when my wife or one of my kids call. They, they get first priority. And um, God gives you first priority. He gives you access to him. Uh, Jesus said, and then one of the last things that he said in Revelation, in verse 20 of chapter 3, he said, look, I stand at the door the door of your heart, the door of your life. And I'm knocking. I'm knocking on the door of your life. If you hear my voice, and not everybody hears his voice because they're not listening for it. But if you hear my voice and you open the door, so he's never going to force his way in. And now this is talking to a non-believer here. He never forces his way in. But if you hear me and you open the door, and I want to tell you, Jesus is knocking on the heart of everybody. He wants into everybody's life. And he said, if you open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. How huge is that? That's that's fellowship. I mean, what do you love doing with your friends? Go share a meal together and just talk. You don't have to have an agenda. You just hang out with each other. And Jesus said, look, I, I'm, and some of, you, some of you in here today with this many people in the room, I can't help but believe there's some of you right now, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. And you haven't opened that door yet. Let me help you with this. Notice what it doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, as he's knocking on the door, hey, I'm getting ready to come in. You better get everything cleaned up. 
you better go make the beds and sweep the floor and vacuum the carpet, clean all the dishes. No. It's like, hey, it's because your life is so messy that I died for your mess. I'm going to come in and I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to make everything right. You can trust that. So those who belong to Jesus, that's who gets to pray. Those who pray in the name of Christ, that's another group of us that get to pray. Jesus said in John 14, yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, you see that? Some people grab hold of that. And if you just look at that verse without context of other verses, it's easy to draw some conclusions that are not correct. This is not a carte blanche of, I get all my selfish wants. If this was true, literally true, in the way a lot of us interpret it, then most of you would have already won the lottery. So we know that's, this is not a carte blanche. You can pray for anything, and I, I'm obligated to do it. Because Jesus makes it clear in many other places that it's according to his will. If I ask anything that's according to his will, he's going to do it. He delights in doing that. But here's the kicker. He, he's, want you, he's wanting you to grow in such a way that you want his will. You want to do what honors him and blesses him. And we'll get to a verse that's going to help point that out to us. <clears throat> Another group of people that can pray are those who have clean hearts. Is that if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Now, David said this, but I want to apply it to believers. Some of you, as believers, you feel like your prayers aren't going anywhere. Maybe it's because you've refused to deal with that thing that is short-circuiting your prayers. You know, God delights in hearing and answering our prayers, but sometimes he says, hey, before we get over here, let's come over here and let's talk about that attitude of yours. Let's talk about that sin issue that you refuse to deal with. Because that limits, inhibits, it hurts your witness. Those who have a forgiving spirit. This is big right here. Jesus said, but when you're praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. So that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So Jesus said, but when you are praying first, deal with your own junk. I, I was meeting with an elderly person in another city um, when I went to visit with my mom at, at her retirement center. And, um, you know, when people find out that you're the, a pastor, <clears throat> and the reason all those people know I'm pastor is because my mom, every time I'm there, she tells everybody. And I said, Mom, you got to quit. And uh, she looks at me and says, no, I don't. And, uh, 
and then they want to sit and talk. And, and, you know, I saw a little bit of a reaction they had to somebody else that was at the retirement center. You know, and you kind of go, what's going on here? They said, oh, I'm just mad at them. I said, really? I said, well, what, what happened? Well, we, we grew up in the same, we went to the same church. And uh, one time they just did something that made me mad. I said, well, what did they do? Well, it was a vote in the church and they voted differently for me and it, and it really hurt one of our staff members that I really liked. I said, really? I said, what was that? Oh, it's probably in the 70s. I said, so 50 years ago, am I right? And they said, yeah, probably. And you've held a grudge for 50 years? <laughs> oh my goodness, no, no wonder you're struggling with God answering your prayers. I want to tell you, some of you today, listen to me, you are holding a grudge. Somebody did something to you back in high school, Somebody bullied you. Somebody hurt your feelings. Somebody embarrassed you. A friend was unfaithful to you. And um, you've held a grudge ever since. Now, you know it's a grudge. When you hear that person's name, the first thing you think about is what they did. That's an indication it's a it's a. It's a uh, grudge that you're holding. Jesus said the solution to that is you got to forgive them. Some of you are holding grudges against people who are dead. You got to forgive them, even though they're already dead. Yeah, I'm not saying you have to call and tell them. They, they probably don't even know. But I, I'm telling you, listen to me. Some of you are struggling in your prayer life and it's simply because you're holding a grudge and you need to deal with it. And Jesus told you exactly how to deal with it. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone. Doesn't say Christian or non-Christian. Anyone you are holding a grudge against so that the Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. See, some of you, the reason you struggle of feeling forgiveness in your own life is because the grudge you're keeping against somebody else. And as long as you feel like God's holding something against you, that just, you're stuck in the mud. And you're not going to go anywhere. Forgive that person. You can do it right now. You don't, you don't have to call them. You don't have to write a letter. Just in your heart, Lord, I forgive that person and add this to it. And I, lo I no longer hold it against them and I ask that you don't hold it against them. Forgive. Another one is those who come in faith. Jesus again said, you can pray for anything and if you have faith, you will receive it. Now see, back in John, he said, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. 
But see, now I've got to start combining some scripture together and say, okay, asking for anything in his name means I've got to have faith. I've got to have faith in Jesus that he's capable and willing to do this. But I want you to think about something. This is not, again, a carte blanche that Jesus is obligated to do everything because Jesus prayed a prayer one time. He said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He's talking about the cross. But he stopped and he said, but not my will but yours. So he's taught us another lesson that applies to prayer that I need to always think about when I pray. Lord, I ask for this if it's your will. If it brings glory to your name. Now, if you really want to take your prayer deep, deeper, Sometimes you have to take your prayer to this place. Lord, this is what I'm praying for. But if you have a different agenda and you want to bring glory to you in a different way through this, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. See, that's a huge faith on your part. Huge faith. Well, why should we pray? Well, to glorify God. Listen to what Jesus said again. You can ask for anything in my name, and it's here again, he's clarifying prayer, and I will do it, but here's the, here's the why, so that the Son, Jesus talking about himself, so that I can bring glory to the Father. Wow, that changes perspective on prayer. When I pray, I need to always think in terms of, does this bring glory to the Father? Does my prayer request bring glory to the Father? Because if it doesn't, it's not an appropriate prayer. All of my prayers should be prayers that bring glory to God. And that means I'm willing to accept his answer when it's no, because he's got a different thing, a different goal, a different agenda about this issue I'm praying about. Pray for things. In fact, Lord, I pray that everything I do brings glory to you. Instead of, God, get me out of this mess. It's a different thing to pray, Lord, while I'm in this mess, let me bring glory to you. Let me bring glory to you as you lead me through this mess I'm in. Now, that's a prayer of faith. Let me say it again. Lord, Bring glory to your name while I'm going through this mess I'm in. Whether it's physical, relational, business, financial, no matter what it is, pray that God will get the glory. 
One of the reasons why I'm to pray is because I'm commanded to. First Thessalonians says, never stop praying. Pray without ceasing, just never stop. I want to, I want to skip down a verse. I want to skip down to that prayer is vital to your spiritual maturity. I'm only halfway through this message, so I'm going to stop with this one more verse. <clears throat> prayer is vital to your spiritual maturity. Listen to this verse in Ephesians. This is this is big. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. That's his part. That's what Jesus promises to do. I'm going to make my home not visiting place, but my home in your life. I'm going to make my residence in your heart. Here's your part. As you trust in him. As you trust in him, that's your part. Faith is your part. Trust is your part. When you have trust in him, then Jesus makes his home in your life. And here's the result. There's a result to that. The result is your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So when I trust Jesus, especially when I'm in a huge mess, when I trust in Jesus, then he makes his home in my life, in my heart. And the end result is as he brings me through this mess, he's going to grow my roots deep down inside of him and he will keep me strong. He does it. So that when the storms come and the hurricanes come and the floods come, you stand firm. When Satan attacks, you stand firm. But if you're trusting in yourself, then the storms are going to knock your life over every time. Have you ever seen the aftermath of a major storm? I remember when we had a huge windstorm came through and it knocked over some big trees. And as I drove around, you would see these massive trees uprooted by its roots. And you would sit there, well, no wonder that thing fell over. The root system is so small, so shallow. If you want to make it through life's storms, put your trust in him. And he will be right at home in your life. So here's, here's the prayer. Here's the invitation. Some of you, you need to pray the very first prayer that God listens to. Jesus is standing at the door of your heart right now and he's knocking at the door and he's waiting for you to open the door. You don't have to understand it all. You don't have to have your act together. You just simply open that door. He comes in. He makes himself at home. And he gets it all put back together. 
Some of you as believers, it's time for you to let go of a grudge. Some of you have been hanging on to a grudge for a long time, and it has affected your life in ways you don't even see. And it's time for you to let it go, to forgive, to forgive, so that God can forgive you. And then some of you, you need to stop sinning the worst sin of all. Your prayerlessness. Let's pray. Father, you choose to make your home in us. You have granted us access to you because we have a mediator named Jesus. I pray for those who need to open the door of their heart for the first time today. Lord, there's some here that are hanging on to some grudges and it's time for them to let them go. I pray that they will just take that act of giving forgiveness and then all of a sudden, they'll begin to sense forgiveness in their own heart from you. I pray that you will grow the roots very deep in the life of this church and in the life of every believer so that we can stand strong. No matter what the world throws at us, no matter what, the, what life throws at us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'll be at the front. You come and you say, I'm opening the door of my life for the first time. You come and say that. You come and say that. If you're ready to give, forgive a grudge, you come, you pray. Forgive that grudge. You let it go. If you're ready to become a prayer warrior, say so. Let's stand.